Welcome to Work Life Unbalanced. This tasty podlet is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions and Oracle Public Sector from the CPSHR Consulting Studios. As an organization, our vision, mission, values have kind of always been in alignment with DEI initiatives. But in this podlet, we want to discuss how an organization can explore their vision, mission, and values in these changing times. So I am uh, privileged to have my co-host, Regina, and also Hello. our CEO, Jerry, and Jacques, who's in charge Hello. of our DEI initiative. Hello. And so, Jerry, I'll, I'll tee you up here. So our vision at CPSHR is enabling people to realize the promise of public service. And to me, that feels very much in alignment with DEI and and equity and inclusion just straight off the bat. Um, thank you, Jason. I would agree. I think the, the premise behind the um, vision was really to be um, more global and not so specific around public service because we know public service touches a lot of lives. And when you think about what's going on today and the folks that are really dependent upon public service, look at what's happening with the UI system, look at what's happening with SNAP and TANF. You have a lot of people that have lost their jobs. And so the questions are, are the systems set up to address the volume that's happening today? Are the decisions being made in terms of how things are deployed, being done equitably. I mean, so we talk about social justice, we talk about social equity in terms of whether or not the services are intended to reach the people that they were meant for. And so when we talk about the promise, citizens come to government or look to government for certain things that they can't get anywhere else. And so at a time like this, where it's really critical that government be at its best, there's a lot of citizens, and you talk about the, the just the sheer diversity, both in terms of ethnic, cultural, um, economic diversity that's um, been brought to the forefront. Are people being served the way they need to be served? So our mission really is, is to ensure with our customers that as they deploy and look at the services that they provide to citizens, that they're doing it in a way that's thoughtful, um, that's caring, and that it's actually actionable in terms of uh, providing the relief needed and fulfilling that promise for the citizens. And one of the things I've always found interesting, um, I've been in civil service <laughs> forever, um, for, for over the last 20 years. And I think when we talk about diversity and inclusion and really serving the community, we tend to try to... Um, just put it in a few different boxes, you know, where it's just like, okay, you know, it's black, white, Hispanic, Asian. And having worked for Los Angeles County for as long as I did, when we talk about what the population is predominantly in one area, if you drive 10 miles in Los Angeles, you're going from maybe a predominantly Caucasian area to a predominantly Korean area to a predominantly, you know, Ethiopian area. And I think what the task for organizations um, is now is to make sure that your organization as you serve your community is reflective of your community. So what we see sometimes with our clients when they come to us for services, they'll say, well, this is our demographic in our region, in our area, in our city. And then here's our demographic inside of our organization. So I think to really be effective to provide services, you have to literally speak the language of the people that you're serving. And that's why I think it's important right now to 
really explore if if we're doing that as an organization, you know, that provides those services. Regina, that I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. One thing I'd like to share in addition is that, um, and I also have been in public service for 20 years. Oh, all time, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're over 20 years, you're like, okay, Stop counting. we're, we're a veteran. <laughs> but uh, one thing that's important to remember is that diversity is both dynamic and static. Mm-hmm. You know, so so often, as you were saying, that people look at ethnic demographics, but there's there's a multiplicity of um, elements and factors that we in the HR field get to look at. And so that's only just one aspect, because when you look at, uh, you know, within an organization and you mm-hmm. look at who holds what positions, mm-hmm. whether, are they entry level, are they management are positions? Are they administrators? Right. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from public education, as you're aware. So there's the academic side of the house, as mm-hmm. well as the administrative or classified services. So then when you look at those individual um, categories and those individual classifications, you see there's a lot of opportunity for, um, there's a lot of opportunity for growth and a lot of opportunity to look at just who holds those positions and what they look like Mm -hmm. Uh, from a gender perspective, certainly from a socioeconomic perspective, from an ethnic demographic perspective. And we get to look at all of those. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the fun part of our job. Because it's not like we're shooting at a moving target, but we're Mm -hmm. looking at several different moving widgets, if you will. Yes. And maybe the approach that you had 10 years ago that you might still be relying upon is not the approach that you need, you know, in 2020 and beyond. Absolutely. So it's, it's definitely a time to explore. Right. <laughs> and I think options. we can all agree that the world changed for us about two months ago. Yes. So in this, in the and whole continues. theme, exactly. Yes. And so this whole theme of planetary reset, mm-hmm. that certainly is true when it comes to us and what we do in the public sector Absolutely. with respect to supporting agencies uh, with strategic and operational human resources support. Mm-hmm. So, so Regina, I had a reaction to your description of Los Angeles, the mm-hmm. 10 mile, you know, I go, man, not even 10 miles and I'm in a Probably different, not I'm in a different <laughs> community. <laughs> I was being generous given the geography. So, so one of the things that I was, th- I was thinking about this yesterday when I was doing a presentation for a group um, and the notion that we have these, we're, we're diverse, mm-hmm. but we have all these little enclaves in our community. So, you know, we have, as you said, you said we have the Hispanic chamber, we have the black chamber, mm-hmm. we have the Asian, you know, Pacific chamber. So like Sacramento, our, where our headquarters is, is one of the most diverse cities in California, so mm-hmm. they say. But I always challenge, is it integrated? You know, right. And so if our diversity numbers are reflective of our community, so mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to try. Is our workforce in enclaves as well inside of the house? Mm-hmm because that's how our community is set up. So we're representative of the community because we have the numbers and, and, and we look like the community looks, but are we also in our own little cliques so the black employees hang with the black employees and, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And the reason I ask this is um, I was doing some work with a state agency and one of the young ladies on the DNI council asked me, she goes, I went into the break room and there was a group of Hispanic ladies sitting there, four of them, eating lunch and laughing and talking. And they were having a good time. And she said, I wonder if they're talking about me. Mm-hmm. And right. I heard my first reaction was, well, why does it have to be about you? Um, and she Her said, name wasn't Karen. Was <laughs> no, no. If, if you're wondering, they probably are. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it, but it was an interesting, uh, you know, it was her perception and her, you know, her own biases came out about, well, they got to be taught. They're having a good time. Maybe I'm the butt of the joke. And I said, you have two choices. One, you can go ask them. 
or you can learn the language. And so my question is, as we look at organizations, how do we arm employees to have those kinds of conversations and not just all of a sudden her, Jump to a conclusion. Her, yeah, her assumptions take over and now all of a sudden I've created a bit of animosity where none right. existed in the beginning. And, and you haven't made any attempt to build a bridge because, I mean, nothing bring, brings people together better than food. Okay, so if, I, so if I'm seeing somebody eat something, I'll be like, so what's up with that over there? But it's funny because I remember literally probably 20 years ago, somebody saying that same thing. Well, I went in and, you know, people were talking and they were probably talking about me. And the reality is we don't give people the benefit of that doubt. We are in such a diverse community wherever you go. Everywhere has diversity. It's it, Even if you have a predominantly homogenous group of people, there's still diversity there. The reality is that there are a lot of people who speak better in their native language. They understand better yeah. in their native language. You know, English is a hard one of the hardest languages to learn. So I have had found myself doing that a few times, being a black female, you walk into a situation, it's like Am I going to have my guard up today? You know, do I need to throw down in a, in a little minute or whatever? But you learn to go in with the same level of respect and the same type of, like I said, the benefit of the doubt that you would want somebody to give you. So I don't want people making assumptions about what I'm saying, doing, feeling, acting, or whatever, strictly based on my appearance or what they might see me engaged in. And I want to give that same type of just respect to somebody else you know and 99.9% of the time they're not talking about you you know but you know just listen for your name and Regina don't you think that Jerry's question uh kind of teases out some of the exciting initiatives that we've been working on in terms of new product development specifically in the DEI space yes and Jerry your question to me uh, invokes a thought uh in fact one of the student learning outcomes of getting comfortable being uncomfortable so often we, uh, when we walk into those situations that you mentioned, the natural human tendency is to be uncomfortable and you want to find a way to soothe that uncomfortability. And now in the new world in which we find ourselves, particularly in, after the last two months or mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, of this planetary reset, <laughs> we get to embrace that feeling of uh, discomfort mm-hmm. and we get to lean into that and that creates yet another bridge right. to... Um, a new way of being, a new way of connectivity, a new way of um, really uh, communicating with our with our workforce, with our teams. So we have these guiding values as an organization, right? Care for our customers, care for each other, care for the organization. And I think right now, um, as we have these discussions about uh, what does what does care for each other really look like? Right. right. And um, I, I think it's a great way to reframe an organization and really push in because a lot of organizations have these types of values. Right. Like we we care about each other mm-hmm. type of a type of a thing. What does that even mean? And, and it's a great way to to actually put your money where your mouth is. Right. Yeah, and, right. and to commit to showing everybody in your organization that you care about all of them. Right. right. And. And I, it's a. I feel like this is a great time for, as HR professionals, to execute on that on that promise to the public sector. Well, you know, I, I agree with you, and it's funny because I'm funny, but in, interesting that um, you think about the protocols around C19. I'm not going to call it. Um, 
And the fact that we haven't had what was C nineteen? COVID. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so we got a new term. We got a new term. Like. When you're typing in an email, it's like it's easier to do C nineteen. Yeah, not my decoder ring, but all right. Um, but when you think about um, as an organization, whether or not it's rampant in terms of the spread of it through your organization. Now everybody's working from home, but there are people still coming in and out and being connected, and there are people still connected to their own families. Yet we've had yet to have a report of positive spread of it. So when I think about care for each other, let's say in this environment, the fact that our employees are adhering to protocols and the fact that our people are staying distance and doing the things necessary to protect each other and protect themselves is a testament to that care for each other. So it goes beyond the let's stay connected, let's, let's continue messaging, let's stay um, having the conversations that we need to have on an ongoing basis mm-hmm. and not isolate ourselves at home and forget that there's a world out there because I think that's a natural part of it, but also the care for each other to me during this environment is you have to take care of yourself and be mindful that your actions impact a lot of people. Right. And if you're doing that, then I think you can adhere to that value. And I think that's the only way is to really, you know, practice those self-care things because that's how you're going to be good for someone else and keep everything that's happening um, in context. I was doing a webinar yesterday on performance management and I told them I felt like I would be remiss to just come in and talk about, you know, documentation and discipline and counseling memos and all this other stuff without talking about some of the stressors that people are experiencing, the anxiety that people are experiencing, the being locked in at home. In Sacramento, we had a curfew for a while, you know, you're homeschooling, you're trying to figure out if the other person who's bringing an income to your home is going to be laid off or not. And there's so many things that are coming at you while you're trying to maintain your productivity and you're trying to, you know, meet your deadlines and goals and everything. And I think that that care for each other comes in because we all need to reach out to each other right now. So whether you're at a peer level or at a leader level, that outreach, even just sending a quick text or picking up the phone and calling somebody just to check in on each other goes to speaks to what that inclusion is all about. And it may not be somebody that you talk to every day or somebody that you were going to lunch with or good buddies with in the office, but really being inclusive in that compassion that you have for other people at this time. I think this has been a real opportunity to step into our humanity during this time. You know, we're looking at, uh, is the glass half full or half empty? And so many people are focusing on the half empty aspect of what we don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you flip that scenario, look at all the things that we've been able to achieve. Mm -hmm. Look at all the the greater connectivity, as you were saying, uh, Regina and Jerry, the greater care for each other and what that really means and have a way to meaningfully operationalize that. Right. So I think it's been awesome. Thank you for listening to Work Life Unbalanced. I'm Jason Lichney. And I'm Regina Romeo. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Learn more at wlubradio.com.